Well, we are in Deuteronomy chapter 13. Deuteronomy chapter 13. I still remember the day I was at Marietta. I was at the Calvary Chapel Bible or the uh, pastor's conference. I think it was 2013, and I called Zayden for the first time. I still remember that. It's good times. A story for another day. He said I can't embarrass him. So let's go before the Lord. We're going to jump straight into chapter 13. As Pastor McGee says, all aboard the Bible bus. Lord, we thank you so much for your word, and we pray that you would continue to teach us as you do. Your, your word is so faithful. It never returns void, never returns empty, Lord. And we pray once again as we dip our buckets in the well that we would be refreshed and refilled this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we got some tough texts to go through. we got some deep subjects to go through. And it's going to be important for me to clarify the context in which it is written, how it was applied at that time, and then how it's applied to us in the New Testament. Because it almost seems like complete opposites between the New Testament Christian and the Deuteronomy 13 children of Israel. Let's read verses 1 through 5, and you'll get a small taste of what I'm talking about. If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder... And the sign or the wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him. And keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. So, again, what are they talking about in its context? They're talking about in the nation of Israel, after they go into the promised land or even there presently, and they have somebody who declares himself a prophet or someone who says that they've got a special word from God, and they say something's going to happen. They got a dream, and the dream said something was going to happen. And then it comes to pass. They'll be tempted to say, wow. This person must be speaking to God. i got to listen to what they're saying. And the Bible, the Holy Spirit speaking through Moses, very clear. No, no, that is not the case. If it contradicts the word of God, if it's saying to leave the true and the living God, in any form or fashion, it is not from the Lord. Now, We're going to see what they're supposed to do with that person, and we're going to see those tough choices and how they affect that nation. But we have some key concepts here to talk about as New Testament spirit-filled Jesus-following believers. Number one, do not trust anything outside of the Word of God, ever. It always has to come in subjugation to the Word of God. It always has to line up with Scripture because we have an enemy And that enemy disguises himself as an angel of light. If you don't test the spirits, as the New Testament says, we can be tricked. Now, in a former life, many pounds ago, I used to dabble in boxing. And let me tell you, getting punched in the face is not fun. (laughs) Now, they would teach you, though, tricks. And some of those tricks would be to fake or to act as if you were wounded or that you were losing or to back up. 
And then when you did that, that person would come at you and it was a trap. You would set a trap for that person. Because the ultimate goal of the sweet science of pugilism is to knock the other person out. The problem is the other person wants to knock you out too, and they get a vote. Now, we have an enemy. Paul, you're saying, uh, how can you get this to the Bible? Paul himself uses this analogy of being a good fighter, of not beating the air, of training yourself. And we have to remember we have a roaring lion who seeks to devour us. And even though the Holy Spirit has filled us and, and he cannot prosper against us, we are still to resist the enemy. And when we resist him, he will flee. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it says, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. Now, this is the part I want to point out. With all power, signs, and lying wonders. We'll talk about what that is in a minute. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. I'm going to go back. All power, signs, lying wonders, unrighteous deception. So the enemy has power. The enemy has the ability to perform miracles. The enemy has the ability to seem like he's helping or to have dreams or to give visions. And it doesn't mean that it's from God. You have to be careful that it's not a trap. Now, the sad part, going back to the Old Testament, is that the people of Israel are not going to listen to this instruction. They are going to fall away, and they're going to fall away quickly, and they're going to follow after false gods. They're going to follow after false prophets. And if you look at the Old Testament and you look at the nation of Israel, how many times good kings and bad kings had false prophets around them. Take Jeremiah's day, for example. Jeremiah is a fantastic prophet. But he was constantly saying the opposite of what a multitude of prophets were saying in the king's court. And who did those false prophets say that they were speaking for? God himself. No, God's going to prosper you. God's going to bless you. God's going to protect Israel, the false prophets would say. Jeremiah said, no, God says that the nation of Israel is going to be judged. The nation of Israel is going to be destroyed. You need to repent now because the nation of Israel is going to be taken over. And what happened? The nation of Israel was taken over, was destroyed, just as Jeremiah prophesied. Even though every other person was saying the opposite and claiming to speak for God. What does that mean for you and me? We have to check and test the spirits, even if those things come true. Even if those things come true. Our en- the enemy has no rules. The enemy is the father of all lies. All lies. And so we need to be very careful in our lives. We need to be very careful in our spiritual walk with God. I want to make a couple more points, and then we're going to continue. Number one, the enemy can lull you into a a false sense of security. You think you're doing spiritually good. You think you're more righteous than other people. You're closer to the Lord than other people. You're doing better than other people. And so he's lulled you into a false sense of security. Remember that boxer. You're thinking you're winning the match. You're going forward, and you're walking right into that straight right cross to put you on the canvas. What happened? Or he may think, make you think that you're in a terrible position. He may make you think that you're in the lowest of the low, the worst. No one, no one could do any worse than you're doing, and there's no way of escape. When I was 
boxing, which I'm not very good at it, not then, not now, not ever will be. That's not my gifting. I remember when I was the most tired, when I was the most scared, when I was the closest to defeat is when I was fighting the hardest. That's when I would punch more because it's far better to be punching them than to get punched back, even though I knew I was losing. And the other person might have thought, man, this, this guy's just never going to stop. Little did they know I was just swinging for survival. Sometimes you're having great victories and you think it's a defeat. Sometimes you're, you're doing well in the Lord and you're about to give up because you don't even know that you're, you're about to win. The enemy doesn't want you to know the truth. He wants to deceive you. The hardest part about our walk with Christ is that we want to deceive ourselves. In us as a, a Judas Iscariot, our flesh that wants to betray the Lord, that wants to betray ourselves and take the easy way out. So what do we do with that? What do we do with all this information? Don't trust the dreams. Don't trust visions. Don't trust prophecies. Don't trust, even if they come in the name of God and it doesn't line up with Scripture, don't trust it. Only the Word of God is our light unto our path. Now let's read verses 6 through 11. If your brother, the son of your mother, your son or your daughter, the wife of your bosom, or your friend, who is your own soul, is as your own soul, secretly entices you, saying, let us go and serve other gods, which you have not known, neither you nor your fathers of the gods of the people, which are all around you, near to you, or far off from you, from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth. You shall not consent to him or listen to him, nor shall your eye pity him, nor shall you spare him or conceal him. Verse 9, but you shall surely kill him. Your hand shall be first against him to put him to death, and afterward the hand of all the people. And you shall stone him with stones until he dies, because he sought to entice you away from the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, so all Israel shall hear and fear and do not again do and not again do such wickedness as among as this among you. Man, you want to talk about hard core. Now, I want us to think, you know, go back in time. Moses is in front of you. You are the people of Israel. This is not some Bible study, some book. This is not just some history lesson. Moses is looking at you. Moses is speaking to you and the people, to you and the elders, the tribes, the soldiers. And he's saying to you, this is the law of the land. If your own wife or husband wants to worship false gods, I want you to pick up the stone and stone them to death. And everyone else will join you. Can you think of something more radically hard than that? Your own daughter, your own son those that are closest to you, your best friend, the closest person to you in all of your life, if they want to entice you to false gods, you are to pick up the first stone and stone them to death. Holy moly, right? When you, you're like, well, wait a minute, that's not, that's not the Jesus I know. You know. Came into the world not to condemn the world, but that through all the world might be saved through him. How does this work? How does this happen? This is just so tough. 
Well, first and foremost, let's look at it in its original context. The people of Israel are not going to do this. They're not going to listen to the Lord. They're not going to take it to this extreme. They're going to cross over the Jordan. They're going to barely have victory and only because God grants it to them. They're going to fail um, with Achan right after um, the Jericho invasion. The, the walls come down. They take over Jericho, this, this, this city that couldn't be defeated. They're going to immediately begin to fail and compromise, and they're not going to go all the way the way that God told them to. They're going to hold back. They're not going to destroy the other people like the God told them to. They're not going to hold each other accountable. They're going to begin to worship false gods. They're going to go and, and take it easy. They're going to be merciful. And how does that work out for them? How many? J. Vernon McGee in his commentary points out, if they had done this, the northern kingdom would not have fallen after false gods. They would not have been taken by the Assyrians. The nation of Judah would not have gone after false gods. They would not have been taken into captivity into Babylon. How many tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people would have been spared the pain and the suffering of enslavement, of destruction, if they had just been obedient with this? It's easy for us to tell other people to make sacrifices. It's easy for us to say, oh, I want my worship music on time. Oh, I want everyone to be here early. I want the church to be cleaned up. Oh, I want the sound to be perfect. I want the pastor to do a better job. I want the toilets to be perfect every time I come in here. I want the air conditioning in the church to be set at exactly the temperature I want it to be. And it's easy to come and to judge everyone else and say, but when you are hold to the carpet and you have to hold the stone and you have to make the tough choices, it's not so fun anymore. It's easy to hand the stone to somebody else. It's another thing entirely when the stone is in your hand and it costs you something. And the people of Israel here, they're listening to this. This is, a, this is not figurative. This isn't an allegory. This is literal. And they're not going to do it. But I want you to think for a moment here. The gospel is here. You're thinking, how could that be? This is, this is genocide. This is terrible. This is evil. No, 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 no. The Lord did not spare the stone from his own son. No, Jesus didn't sin. He was perfect. But he took our place for the punishment of turning away from God and not following after his commandments. And the Lord sacrificed his own son so that we could live under the grace that we live under now so that we could have freedom, so that we could be the, the, the spared goat, the one set free, the scapegoat. And he's freed us from the punishment of This death penalty is on us and on our children because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And he didn't take his hand away. By his stripes, we were healed. Incredible. All right, so what about the New Testament Christian? Are we to go out and start casting stones? no. No, we've been set free through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Remember the adulterous woman? They were ready to stone her. She was guilty. She's 100% guilty under the law. 100%. They had Jesus. The punishment is to be stoned to death. We got her. We caught her in the act. We have more than two witnesses. Your law says to do this. And what does Jesus do? He, remember, he started writing in the dirt. And all these pastors trying to pretend like they know what he wrote. We have no idea. They're lying to you. They don't know. I don't know. Oh, it was the sins from the oldest to the youngest, the youngest. And we don't know what he was writing. Maybe. That's between them. But we know nobody was left. 
And Jesus looked at her and said, where are your accusers? They're gone, Lord. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And he let her go. The grace, the righteousness of God, his goodness and his righteousness shown in Deuteronomy, shown in Matthew, throughout the scriptures that speaks of him. So for those of us that are Christ followers that have been filled with the Holy Spirit, what does that mean for us? How do we apply this principle? Number one is we need to make tough choices. No, I'm afraid some of you cannot take the stone to your spouse, even though some of you want to. No, no, that's not what he's talking about here. What it does mean, though, is we need to love God more than your family. You need to love God more than your spouse. You need to love God more than your daughter or your son or your neighbor or your closest confidant, your closest friend on the planet. More than anything, you need to love God more. You need to love God so much that you're willing to sacrifice your family, your friend, your relationships. Because if you can't do that, you will never be a good father, good mother, good neighbor, good friend. If you're not following after Christ with that zeal, you'll never be the spouse that you need to be. You'll never be the friend that you need to be. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus said, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Who do you worship? Do you worship your friend, your spouse, your neighbor? Do you worship your job? Do you worship your hobby? What what things do you worship? What things are you not willing to sacrifice? And I will tell you what your God is. I am not willing to sacrifice my relationship with God. By His grace alone, not in my own flesh, but by His works because nothing can separate me from the love of God because of His Spirit that's in me, not in my own flesh, because the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I am not willing to sacrifice my relationship with God. Not to keep my spouse, not to keep my kids, not to keep my job, not, none of it. And because of that, because of that, I'm the father I should be, I'm the spouse I should be, I'm the coworker I should be, because I'm not willing to sacrifice my walk with the Lord. But what does that mean? Well, you need to go before the Lord. Remember, the Word of God is our guide. Because remember, the enemy can trick us into self-righteousness and be like, well, if I'm willing to sacrifice everything, you know what? I'm going to divorce my wife right now. No, that's not what the Word of God is saying. No. But we have to walk with him and follow after him. But tough, difficult choices have to be made. Every day in your life, you've got to make tough choices. And they're different for every person. You know, some people that are Christ-loving, they are Christ-loving disciples of God no longer love their spouse. And the decision has to be made. Are you going to follow God or your flesh, the Word of God or your feelings? Because those things can come back. But you're making a decision. No, I'm not willing to do that. Well, He's your Lord. You're the one who's got to see him. It could be something else. You're not willing to compromise. You want to do anything you can so that your children like you. And because you want your children to like you, you're not willing to compromise. If you're chasing around sports 
and never in fellowship, who, what idol are you on? Now, on the same breath, on the other side, I will say that what day you worship God is not important to the Lord. One man exalts one day above, uh, one day above another, one man every day the same. Let each reason within his own mind, the Bible says. No, we don't want to, on the flip side of that, worship church more than God. On the flip side, there are some that will never compromise with church attendance on Sunday. Church attendance on Sunday or even Wednesday night means nothing in the eyes of the Lord. It's your heart. Where's your heart present at? So you, can't, you shouldn't sacrifice your family for church. No, very clear. Our love for God should reign supreme, and we should be willing to make difficult choices to follow after him. How that looks and how that works is different for each person. And one way that it is identical is that we are all to be in obedience to the Word of God and holding each other accountable to the Word of God. There have been times in my life that I have been tested and the Lord has led me to make good choices. There have been times in my life where I have been tested and I'm afraid to say my flesh has allowed me to fail, where I compromised, where I didn't pick up the stone, where I tried to take the easy way out. I have learned over time that the short, difficult decision for Christ always saves long-term pain. But the short, easy compromise against the Lord has always led to long-term pain and suffering. And remember Galatians, God is not mocked. That as we sow, that shall we also reap. I just praise the Lord for His grace. You know, you read this text and you just think about your spouse or the person you love most in this planet, and you're like, am I willing to do that? Now, I want to point one more thing out. What are you going to do before it gets to that point if you're close to these people? Are you going to allow them any area in their life where they can compromise and perhaps fall into this trap of worshiping a false idol? Like, you're going to wait all the way to the end till it's a death sentence, or are you going to be constantly on the lookout? Like, what, what are you doing? What are, you, what are you going over to that pagan house for? No, no, I don't think so. No, you're not spending the night over there. I don't think so, no, no. You're coming with me to synagogue right now for like five days straight. Let's go. <laughs> Why? Don't even look at that rock. You're coming with me. You're going to do everything you can in your loved one's lives to keep them from falling down this trap because you're not willing to make that sacrifice. Well, hello, if you can't make the application here, then you're in trouble. That's what we need to be doing in our relationships right now, bringing people, everyone in our circles, as close to the Lord as possible, as quickly as possible, so it doesn't get that far. So you don't have to go that far. Now, I can tell you this right now, if you're one of the few people here that it's gotten that far where things are that bad and you feel like you're on the edge, God's not done. If you have air in your lungs, he's not done with you on this planet. And if you're a Christ follower, he's never finished with you. You will walk with him forever. It's not too late for him. He'll bring the dead back to life. He can take a nation of people that have rejected him and have them taken into captivity for over a generation, bring them right back into land and start all over again. Nothing's in too impossible for him. Now let's read verses 12 through 14. If you hear someone in one of your cities, which the Lord your God gives you to dwell in, saying, Corrupt men have gone out from among you and enticed the inhabitants of their city, saying, Let us go and serve other gods which you have not known. 
then you shall inquire, search out, and ask diligently. And if it is indeed true and certain that such an abomination was committed among you, we'll stop there. Search out and inquire. That's going to be important. You need to ask some questions. You need to see what's going on here. So they changed the subject. We went from dreamers, <coughs> excuse me, false prophets that have miracles performed. Get a little water. And they're actually coming true, which we'll see the opposite of that, by the way, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, false prophets that claim things and they don't happen in a couple chapters. And not to be tricked, going back, not to be tricked by the enemy. Then we went to our immediate family, our most precious loved ones, and now we've gone to cities. I think I'll live, Lord willing. And now we're going to the cities. And if you hear of idolatry and false gods in that city, go find out. Go send people, go find out, go ask questions. This is important. Because we don't want to believe every bit of gossip that we hear about things, and we don't want to fly off the handle. You know, that's a saying that means you don't want to lose control and react to things that you don't know if they're true or not. So let's pick back, back up in verse 15. You shall surely strike the inhabitants of that city with the edge of the sword. Again, we are not playing around, are we? Utterly destroying it, all that is in it and its livestock, with the edge of the sword. And you shall gather all its plunder into the middle of the street and completely burn with fire the city and all its plunder for the Lord your God. It shall be a heap forever. It shall not be built again. So none of the accursed things shall remain in your hand that the Lord may turn from the fierceness of his anger and show you mercy, having compassion on you and multiply you, just as he swore to your fathers. Verse 18. Because you have listened to the voice of the Lord your God to keep all his commandments, which I command you today, to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord your God. That is no no joke, is it? He's saying, hey, take your time, inquire, see what's going on. Maybe it's just one or two people. If it's one or two people, okay. But if that town begins to worship false gods, I want you to start handing out the swords. I want you to get the troops together. I want you to go to that place, and I want you to destroy it. I want you to pulverize it down to the middle. And anything that you think is precious, anything that you think is worth anything, you bring it to the middle of the city, you burn it. And no one can ever build anything on this place ever again. It's forsaken forever. And it'll be a reminder. That's why they leave it there, a reminder for generations. You've worshipped false gods, this is what happens to you. Now, we're not to do that today. Because there wouldn't be a town left on the planet. But what is it? What are the principles here? What's the spiritual principles here? Are you willing to call things out? Are you willing to make tough decisions? Are you willing to break fellowship? Are you are you willing to, to say no? I'd rather sacrifice, I'd rather hurt than to turn my back on the Lord and allow other people to do the same? This is the nation of Israel. They were to be a light to the world. They were to represent God to the planet. Now, we as individual Christians are a a kingdom of priests now, righteous in God's eyes. Are you willing to 
burn the things in your house that are turning your family away from the Lord? Are you willing to burn the TV, the Apple phones? Are you willing to, to burn the, the clubs or the gossip or the people in your life that are leading your family astray or leading the church astray or leading the country astray? You see, as Christians, we're notorious for going into the world and condemning all these things. And then you watch the garbage on TV at home. Who's the hypocrite now? Statistically speaking, in the church today, over 50% of male are engaged in pornography at any given time. In the church, not in the world. So they'll preach from the pulpit. They'll preach from the pew. They'll preach it from the signs on the street. And then they go home and vote with their keyboard and worship false idols. Are you willing to get rid of that stuff? Are you willing to fight that battle? Are you willing to take that computer, that phone, that garbage, and throw it into the street? God knows. And you're banking on his grace. Oh, he'll let me fly. He'll let me buy. It's not that big of a deal. He will burn these people's towns to the ground and not allow a single human being to live there ever again. It's a big deal. He will stop. It's a big deal. What is leading us away from the Lord? I was uh, having a conversation with a, another young disciple. You know, I don't remember how the conversation came up, but we were just talking about dedication to God. I said, when I be first became a believer, I was ready to die. It didn't matter. Sell my house, sell my stuff, quit my job, go to Sudan, Put, it didn't matter to me, be a missionary to the most dangerous Amazon jungle tribe. Did not matter. Send me. I signed up to die. That was my mentality. Now, now I have a family and kids and a wife. I got people that need me. You know, I, I serve. I'm not quite in the same mindset anymore. But this chapter reminds me, and that conversation reminds me, am I willing to pick up the cross and follow after him? Am I willing to die to myself? Am I willing to sacrifice myself for the betterment of other people? That's what Jesus asked us to do. Pick up the cross and follow after him. Am I willing to sacrifice hobbies, time, career? Am I willing to sacrifice finances, security? Are, are you really, are, am I ready to sign up? What is getting in the way of my relationship with the Lord today? And am I willing to chuck that stuff? And so the question is the same for us. What if as a fellowship, we all just decided on our own, not because someone implied or someone pushed us, that we were willing to get rid of everything to follow after the Lord? Now, whatever the everything is, I don't, I don't, it's just a thought-provoking question. Whatever that thing is that the Lord put on your mind, no, 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 not that. Maybe that. What are the things that are getting in the way? And then as I was reading this and as I was praying about this, I was reminded Pastor Pancho Juarez, he used to sing this all the time, this, this hymn. This hymn was written by a, an Indian who had come to Christ. And the Hindus had come to him, the militant Hindus, and said they were going to kill his family if he, rep if he didn't repent. And the English missionary wrote down what this Indian man said. He was the only man in his village to be saved when he was attacked. I'm going to read it because I'm not gifted with worship. 
I have the gift of gab. I teach. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back. No turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back. No turning back. I can tell you from personal experience the times that I have sold it all and follow after Jesus are some of the highest highs I've ever had in my life. And any time I tried to hold back and keep something for myself, any time that I resisted, any time that I, I thought I was being wise or not to, has always been a burden for me. However the Lord is leading you tonight, Whatever he's putting upon your heart, it's one thing to agree. It's another thing to pick up the stone and to do the deed. I tell you, Israel did not do it. Will you? Will you go home and make decisions? Will you go and have a conversation with your spouse or your family and and make decisions that lead you closer to the Lord, not further away from him? Or will you follow the enemy's distractions, the enemy's illusions, the enemy's trap? Remember the boxing match. The enemy wants to knock you out. He may fake like you're winning. He may feed your pride. But it's a trap. I praise God that greater is he that is in us than is in the world. Well, let's spend the rest of this evening just praying, seeking after the Lord, interceding for one another confessing, allowing the Spirit to move. Let's go before Him in prayer. Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word. We, we thank You so much as You guide us through Your Word, that You convict us, try us, and test us. And I pray there would be great victory tonight, Lord, in our lives. Whatever situation is in front of us, whatever challenges, that You would lead us to right decisions, Lord. And great victory is in Your name alone. In Jesus' name, amen.